Welcome to the United Cast, it's Entertainment Talks podcast for Man United. I'm your host Matthew and today we're doing our 21-22 season wrap-up. The wrap-up for the podcast season for the thing. I'm your host Matthew and um, yeah, wrote some stuff down. Um, I don't want to go over like everything in the season again. We, we, we know what happened this season. And I don't want to sit here, I, I I don't want to do, I want to minimise the moaning on this podcast, because I've already been moaning for months about this team, and <clears throat> um, the, the lack of, the lack of everything, right? Like, the lack of just the players trying, and all that sort of thing. So, uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to, tr- I'm going to, I'm going to try not to make that, I started writing some notes down. And I realised, like, okay, I'm almost making this as, like, a bit of a season preview. But in order for me to do a proper season preview, which obviously I'll do in a couple of months before the start of the next season, is when we sign and sell some players. Um, I do want to talk about the young players. I want to talk about the players that are gone. I want to talk about the players that are... In contention to leave, um, but possibly some of them hopefully do and hopefully don't have a future at this club. And a bit of a sort of wait and see section. Wait and see is what I've got written down first. Um, And then I've got some written down, some actual news uh, from the last couple of days. Um, So the first thing I really want to touch upon is the wait and see aspect. We all know how this season went. I don't need to explain or tell you how the season went. We finished 6th with no trophies. We were knocked out of every cup in the first possible opportunity. In terms of knockout rounds, we got through the Champions League group stage, but was knocked out pretty much in the first knockout round. Um, And lost some very, 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 very disappointing games with some very, very, very disappointing performances. And the players did sort of stop trying by the end of the season. And from about the Atletico Madrid game onwards, which is a lot of people do seem to think that's when the season sort of fell off. And I'd I'd agree with that. Because that was our that was our last gasp hope for a trophy. Um and of course we didn't make it through that. I can't remember what the score was, but you know, we, we didn't make it through the Atletico Madrid game. Um, so yeah, all of that happened, of course. But that's in the past, it's done, we have to look on and move forward. The wait and see aspect. So we went through a bit of a turmoil this season in terms of, um, you know, we signed those three players, Ronaldo, Varane, Sancho, and we had our first bit of a wait and see Aspect, which was, oh, you know, Ollie's still here. Possibly should have been sacked. Probably should have been sacked after the failure of the Europa League final. Um, we go into next season. We got these three players, and we expected big things because we should expect big things because we support Manchester United. Unless you're listening to this and you don't support Man United, which in that case is different. Um, and of course, it started to fall apart. 
And now I don't... Because if someone... And people have messaged me, actually, and kind of said, like... They've noticed some scores with the with the games and kind of said to me, like, <clears throat> Matt, what's going on? Like, what what's happening with Man United? Um, there isn't just one reason. There really isn't. You know, is it the owners, the players, the manager or managers this season? Um, it was almost everything. Because Oli completely fell apart. Knew that he needed to go. Carrick was only there for a few games anyway. Ralph Ragnick came in. Um, and, you know, Ralph came in and we heard all about this sort of, like, Gagan press and all this other kind of stuff. And that's when we started to realise, okay, Ollie was a big part of the problem, but these players are as well. Or some of them, not all of them, obviously, but some of them. Too many of them were were an issue. And the players had just begun to expose themselves once um, Ralph took over. But there were so many wait and see aspects, weren't there? Of like, Ole buys these three players, doesn't buy a midfielder, very, very key point, and falls apart. But the wait and see was like, oh, Ronaldo, Sancho, Varane. Sancho taking a bit of time to settle, Ronaldo taking a small amount of time to settle. Varane, slightly injury prone, all that sort of stuff. But it was a wait and see. Let's wait and see what these, uh, what Ollie can do with this pretty much, pretty much the same team. So like Dan James was gone and that sort of stuff. But it was uh, a wait and see. Let's let's wait and see what Ollie can achieve with these players. And we saw it completely fall apart. And then if we honestly, if we just skip over the Carrick era, because there's nothing to really talk about there. It was Ralph Ragnett's going to come in. He's got all this like, this like, great CV, you know, with what he's done, um, and this whole gagging pressing thing, and he's going to like heavy metal football and all this other kind of stuff. But again, it was a wait and see. Let's wait and see um, what he's going to do with these players. Uh, if he's going to make like changes and stuff like that. Of course, we knew it was an interim job uh, until we get the next proper appointment. Um, that was one of the the early failures of the season, was the fact that we, we sacked Ollie and we clearly did not know who was going to be next. The board had very clearly not planned for that, as to who was actually going to replace um, uh, Ollie. And usually you'd, you'd expect a team to have a short list of a few managers and have at least one or two of them available almost straight away. You'd expect that. But it took a long time. It took it took too long to sack Ole, and it took too long to replace him. So that was a that was like that was like the big breaking point of the season. You you, you feel, um, and then of course knocked out to Atletico Madrid. We started to realize we we realized as well. I think at some point that um, the ideas that Ralph Ragnick had. Or has still. Uh, these players weren't suitable for it because it's a it was a mis mishmash situation or mix you know situ- situation where you can't just put like oh Mourinho he's a good manager or so and so is a good manager Conte or whoever you want to name like Pep Guardiola Jurgen Klopp you know all these great managers you can't just stick them with any team and be like go and win the league or whatever you you can't just do that. Um, because 
every manager's got their certain way of playing, and they might not have the squad that fits that. I think that's what happened with Ralph Ragnick. I do still think he's to blame for certain things. I don't think he's, you know, there was still some dodgy team selections, some dodgy substitutions, um, things like that that were happening. So he's not, like, completely clean or whatever. Um... And you could kind of see some of his frustrations and that. And obviously, you know, frustrations, we, we saw it as well. But again, we have yet another wait-and-see scenario. And this is, this is almost a bigger one than before. Because... Because you're going to such a different manager this time with Eric Ten Hag. And we're looking at a lot of these players and thinking... They need to go, they need to go, they need to go. There's so many players that need to go. Some of them who are going to be leaving tomorrow... Or on the 1st of June. Um, and it's sort of like this guy. And I said this on the final day uh, final day podcast. Ralph Ragnick has got the most difficult job in sport right now. I think he has. Certainly in, in football. He's got the most difficult job. Because Man United itself. Being the Manchester United manager. By, but regardless of the situation of the club. You step into the shoes of being Manchester United's manager, you've automatically got one of the hardest jobs in sport because of the gravitas of the job itself, um, which obviously some managers didn't take well to. And some some of them did a bit better. Obviously Alex Ferguson clearly took very well to it. Um, but it, 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 it isn't for everyone. It's not a job for everyone. And uh, what what I'm most curious about as well with the whole wait and see thing is because if somebody was to say to me okay Matt Ollie sacked you wanted him out I did want him out who do you want in his place I would have said Eric Ten Hag or Conte maybe Conte would have been like a quicker sort of brutal more more brutal uh scenario but if you've got to look at the long term with developing young players and all that kind of stuff that's what Ten Hag is so good at and I've seen the way that Ajax play football and I know it might not be quite as simple as this. And again, this is another wait and see scenario. I I've watched I've watched loads of videos of Ajax playing football now, both with and without Donny van der Beek, who we'll certainly talk about in a minute. But the way that they play football again, it's in Dutch league. It might be a bit different, but the specific way that they play football, I look at that and I think that is how that's not just how I want Man United to play football. It's how we should be playing football. Uh, again, I I could be wrong about that. I'm not like a you know football expert, but if somebody were to say to me like, okay, show show me a video of how you want Man United to play, go and go, go and look at Ajax videos of of the way that they pass and move. And I mean, how many times on this podcast have I said like this team just lacks pass and move, which is a basic fundamental football thing. But still, there's there's passing and moving, and then there's doing it the way that Ajax do it, which is much more special and much more particular so but we, we we simply have another wait and see scenario on our hands but we've got a really really big one this time in terms of wait and see who goes wait and see who comes in wait and see okay you know pre-season games you can't really judge it too much on that but start of the season depending on who we've got first you know if we lose the first game 3-0 if we win the first game 3-0 we draw 1-1 how well do we play? Is Eric making this good decision, that good decision? He should be playing this player or not playing that player. But just just the fundamental core of once Ten Hagers, because he's not going to have the full squad that he 
once by the end of the summer, and I understand that, but at least some of it, at least some of that squad, I mean, he's already got Donny van der Beek there, so that's a that's a good, uh, good piece of a start, but how long is it going to take, from the end of the summer, once we have some of the players, hopefully, that we need, how long is it going to take Eric Ten Hag to get his ideas across, and how long is it going to take for us to play like Ajax, because <laughs> you you look at any highlights video that we've had for the last six months, and then you go and look at Ajax's highlights for the last six months, I'm sure it's very, very different. Um, there's probably a lot of differences that you can point out. So, how, how can Eric Ten Hag, and how long is it going to take Eric Ten Hag, to go from this... Main United team that he's got now, which is like in dysfunction, in disarray, to 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 something watchable at least. And I'm not talking about like okay, I'm expecting first ten games of the season us to be playing like completely how Ajax play. That might not happen. That might that might not be a realistic way to look at things. But how long is it going to take him to get Man United to play watchable football? Or football that you don't sit there and think, why the hell did you pass it there? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why Why isn't this player running? Why isn't that player passing to that player? You know, basic football stuff. So there's a lot of wait and see going on. And we've already had to have a lot of patience so far. And covering May United for three years so far has not been easy. There's been some good days. We haven't won anything. Since I've started this podcast. Or two years before that. But. There's been some good games. Certainly. There's been some. Awful. Horrendous games. But. Unfortunately. This this team is going to require. Our continued patience. Hopefully not for very long. We, we as Again wait and see. We don't know how this is going to go. Some people might look at the situation and think like, oh, Man United are done, which is a bit dramatic, but, and some people might think like, oh, first game, Tenog's going to get it right and we'll be like, we'll, we'll just click just like that. It might happen, but it might not. But again, we have to do a wait and see with that. So, anyway, that's the first thing I wanted to kind of talk about um, is we're going to have to have a lot of patience. Um... Again, unfortunately. And, well, we have to be patient right now because we haven't bought anyone yet. And Tottenham have already bought players. Leeds bought a player the other day. Um, and there's other teams buying players or trying to buy players at the moment. And Mbappe stayed for a lot of money at PSG. A lot of money. So, uh, there's things already happening, but we're not currently really doing anything. So, but there are some there's some bits and pieces going on that I'll mention here, but uh, nothing particularly solid yet. So, um, I thought I'd mention players that are gone. I don't have every single one of them written down, but I do know most of them. So, as of tomorrow, or it's just hit mid, it's just hit midnight right now. By the way, just to let you know, first uh, of June. Um, and hey, it's Pride Month, so happy Pride Month for everybody. First um, of June contracts run out, which is right now. So Paul Pogba's gone. Matic's contract doesn't actually run out till next year, but he's going. Cavani's contract's run out. Jesse Lingard's contract has run out. Juan Mata's contract has run out. 
And uh, one more. One more player. It was Pogba, Lingard, Cavani, Mata. And... I'm sure there was another player. I'm sure there was a fifth player. Their contract is running out this year. But those are the four that I can remember. So they're all gone. Right now... In this team, so if you don't count Matic because he's supposed to be leaving as well, because he announced that he's leaving, we have got two good midfielders. Two. First team players. We don't know how good Garner's going to be. We don't know how good Mabry's going to be. We don't know how good Savage is going to be or some of those other, uh, Iqbal as well. We don't know how good some of those are going to be. But those at the moment are youth players anyway. We've got Donny van der Beek. And we've got Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes just had a bad season. I acknowledge that. But he's still a good player. We do still have Fred McTominay. But I've made my thoughts. Everybody's made their thoughts very clear on Fred McTominay. They're not good enough and they need to go. Um, so we've got we've got two good midfielders right now. Um, so th- there was a conversation the other day on Twitter about how many midfielders do we need. And I said five. Now we play three at a time. So technically you need six. So five and then the other two, that would be seven. Plus, you know, the odd, p- the odd appearance from the youth players and stuff. You can't really, you can't really count those as first team players because we might not see those players next season. Um, we, 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 we don't know yet what's going to happen with those players. <clears throat> um so that's some of the players that are that are gone. And I didn't write this down in my notes, but I'll I guess I'll interject it here. If we're talking about players going in and out. We are in a it's in a situation as a team where the fight and the passion and the the hunger, the actual want to play for the shirt is almost gone. Now don't get me wrong. I don't just want players that are passionate. And have got the desire. Because then you end up with players like Declan Rice. And Scott McTominay. I've I've watched enough of Declan Rice. And I don't want him at May United. He might be good enough. But I don't like his attitude. He's, he's a better player than McTominay. Don't get me wrong. Um, But he's got. I, I don't like his attitude. Particularly. Um, So there's that. But what we need to do, instead of just, oh, who's the first 11 and then, what is it, seven players on the bench usually? Or actually, it's been more than that in some games. We've had like 10 or whatever on the bench. We need to have a scenario where I don't care if your name is Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, or David, obviously the keeper's a bit different, but David De Gea. We need to get this team back to a situation where every single player... Is worried about their spot in the team. Because what has ended up happening. Is where you've got players like Bruno Fernandes. Having bad games. Scott McTominay having bad games. Harry Maguire having bad games. You know players like that. Rashford having bad games. This team has gotten too comfortable. To a point where somebody like Bruno Fernandes. Will kick the ball up in the air to a Palace player. And they'll go and score. But he'll think to himself. Oh, I'll be I'll be in the next team sheet. Because I'm always in the team sheet. 
Harry Maguire probably thinks that as well. How many bad performances does Harry Maguire have this season or Scott McTominay have this season? They were still getting picked all the time. Why was that? It's because we had a bit of a lack of options, especially in the midfield with the McTominay thing. We really had a bit a big lack of options in uh, in midfield, um, which is also where the Bruno issue kind of comes in. The scenario that we need to have is where, whether your name is Wambasaka or McTominay or Bruno or Ronaldo, obviously Ronaldo's a bit more, people like Ronaldo and De Gea are a bit more of a guaranteed starter. Again, depending on what Ten Hag wants to do, but still. We need every single player in this team to, if you've dropped even an average performance, or like slightly below average performance, like a 5 or a 4, for them to think, ah shit, you know, I, I messed up in that game. And so and so's on the bench, or so and so didn't make it on the bench. Um, but I've dropped a bad game, and shit, you know, the the uh, the other player who's in my you know plays in the same position as me, been maybe doing well in training or something. They've been in some good form, and them to think, you know, if I do that again next week, or maybe I don't get picked next week. Um, for them to start thinking, I've really got to like. I, I'm. You need every single player to be thinking. I play for Manchester United. There's other players in this team. This team is full of talent. And if I drop a below average performance, I'm going to get dropped. So when then you do get dropped, and you do have a McTominay or a Maguire that drops a bad performance, um, for them to think, shit, you know, I've I've got to impress in training. I've got to like. If I get subbed on with ten minutes to go, I've got to, I've got to, you know, get clicking on with my game and sort of, you know, remind the the manager of like, oh no, this this is why you should pick me. You should pick me because of this because I'm good at doing this or you know something like that. Because I I remember a game, I think it was last season possibly, where um, we were winning a game in the Champions League. And our bench had a bit more talent on it than usual. I think we had like a Martial, maybe Dan James or something, and Bruno Fernandes was on the bench. Now, Bruno Fernandes is usually a regular starter for us. I can't remember who was playing in his place, but obviously it was somebody else. It might have been like Matt or, I don't know, somebody like that. And Bruno Fernandes came on, and there was only about 10 minutes left, and I think we were already winning 2-1 or something like that. We were winning by a bit of a narrow margin, but we were pretty comfortable in the game and he came on and you could just tell that he thought shit I, I, I don't want to be on the bench that you know that I'm going to go out there and impress the manager and you could see in his performance the way he was running around the way he was trying to get stuck in the way that he was playing for the shirt that he thought if I don't impress in these 10 minutes or 20 minutes however long it was I'm going on the bench again next week or next game you need to have every single well, first team player, obviously. You need to have every single first team player and you know squad player in this team to be thinking that, because that's how you get that's how you get more of the performances out of this player. That's how you can kind of reinstall this short this sort of play for the shirt thing, because what we cannot afford to do again next season, which is what happened this season. Is when McTominay drops a bad performance or Maguire drops a bad performance and he thinks, ah, it doesn't matter, you know, we're not getting top four, I can just do whatever, nobody else is on the bench, Donny's on loan, 
Matic is too old. I'll, I'll, I'll be with Fred, you know, again next week in the midfield. No problem. And then Bruno's maybe thinking the same thing of like, oh, you know, what's he going to do? Bring bring Matter on or, you know, th- there's nobody else there for the competition. And because because we had <clears throat> because we had um, dropped out of the Carabao Cup, dropped out of the FA Cup, dropped out of the Champions League, that sort of desire to win as we were getting knocked out of those cups started to go more and more. Um, and it just both the combination of all those things in the season had just resulted in players just stopping caring. I I. Now that I'm on this subject of like the whole the whole sort of caring and fundamental playing of the shirt, like forget ability for a minute, because ability is where you sort of get into. Oh no, you should play this player here because he can do this or he can do that, and you know the individual player abilities. <clears throat> the fundamental desire of like actually you know giving a shit and wanting to play for the shirt. I remember when we were losing. It was the second time we played Liverpool this season. And we'd lost, that was the 4-0 game, wasn't it? And we were already like 2-0 down or whatever it was. And the players were actually walking around on the pitch. They were walking around on the pitch. And I, cu- I couldn't, but we, the players, all of them were doing it until Hannibal came on the last five minutes and he started running around, that was it. The players were actually walking around in a Manchester United game, what where were we? We were at Anfield for that one, I think. Yeah, um, at Anfield, you know, the home fans are roaring. They're they're on their way to possibly win the quad. Obviously, they only won half of it, but that's a different story. They're walking around the pitch, getting humiliated, losing two 0 to Liverpool. Your and your rivals, <clears throat> your historic rivals, because as much as Man City have grown over the last ten years. Liverpool are still our bigger rivals, at least to me. Your rivals are on the same pitch as you. They are beating you very, very comfortably. They are walking around the pitch because you are, and because they they know that you're not fighting back against them. The 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 playing for the shirt thing had reached such such a bottom of the barrel pit. That the players were actually walking around. How are we supposed to do things. Like finish in the top four. Or progress in the FA Cup. Or progress in the Carabao Cup. Or get back into the Champions League. Or win the t- get anywhere close to winning the title. If you don't even want to play for the shirt. But that's again where the lack of competition was there. Because um, this squad just wasn't strong enough. At that point. And the players had stopped caring. You know. Um, if, you, if you think about the bigger picture. For the Liverpool thing right. One of our most historic. Achieve, or our biggest historic achievement. Is 1999 winning the treble. Now some of that was in Liverpool's hands. And some of it wasn't. The Premier League was never really in their hands. But the other trophies were because they're all knockout games. You play your own knockout games. You're in control of whether you get through those knockout stages. And if those Man United players had their heads on that day. They should have looked at that game and thought. You know what? Our rivals are on the road to winning a quadruple. 
They'd already won, I think, the Carabao Cup. I can't remember where the FA Cup was by then. They were already winning the Carabao Cup at that point. Or they'd already won the Carabao Cup. And they were still in a very good shout of winning the other three trophies. And we had it in our hands that day. Doesn't matter in terms of quality or coaching. Just in terms of pure sort of, we want to stop our rivals. Because sure, it means that your other rivals, Man City, win. But in the bigger picture of things... Man City were less likely to do something like the treble or the quadruple. Liverpool on that day had it in their hands, roughly, to win a quadruple. Obviously, they didn't end up doing it. And those Man United players should have at least, I forget their own season at that point, should have at least, at the bare minimum, been thinking, okay, history of this club. Um, Okay, one of the trophies that's required to do at least that treble is the Premier League. That requires points. We're here today playing against them. Why don't we at least, at least try and get a draw out of this game? And they couldn't even do that. Again, because of everything I've just mentioned before. And they they just they just stopped. They were walking around and they'd given up. So this whole idea of like, you know, playing for the shirt, injecting some competition, it's desperately, desperately needed. Really desperately needed. Anyway, let's move on from that. Hi there and thanks very much for listening. Today I'm here to tell you about our two different affiliate links. The first of which is our Amazon affiliate link. That's where you can shop on Amazon. We can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you anything extra. So whether you're getting a gift for somebody else or treating yourself or maybe both depending on the occasion we can get a small cut of what you spend but it won't cost you extra. You can find the link to our Amazon affiliate link in your show notes. The second affiliate link for today is our Kualu affiliate link. If you want to get started with a website and a domain name of your choice, you can simply sign up with Kualu using the link in the show notes. They also have a live chat support system that's in the bottom right hand corner as well. So if you need help with getting set up, Kualu will be able to help you with that as well. The links for both of these can be found in your show notes for Kualu and the Amazon affiliate link. If you would like to get the ad-free versions of Entertainment Talks podcast and support us along the way, you can simply sign up over on our Patreon page. You can sign up either as a creator or as a patron. There's no difference there for the time being. And you can get your ad-free podcasts over there. It's a great way to support us on Entertainment Talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad-free podcasts. You can also support Entertainment Talk on Patreon at the $3 level tier. This gets you a chance to request a review from us of your favourite TV show or film. But it's one per month. So one TV show or film review per month. It's up to you which one you want to choose. We will watch a few episodes of the TV show that you choose. Or of course if it's a film we'll just watch that film and we will review that for you on that month. And then when it gets to the next month, you can request a new TV show or a film review of your choice. That's $3 level tier. That does also, of course, include your ad-free podcasts for the month as well. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Alright, so I wanted to uh, write down next a couple of players. Um, ones that I've seen written down that sort of um, in contention to leave... And my thoughts on some of those. Um, so I've heard a few things about um, Wambasaka has been told he's allowed to leave this summer. Uh, Wambasaka is somebody who's massively fallen out of form. Again, probably, I mean, he, he is actually the one player that, you know, Diego Delo came in 
and Ralph Ragnick preferred him uh, to Wampasaka, preferred Delo to Wampasaka. Wampasaka had been benched. But in the couple of games where Wampasaka did get a chance, he didn't do enough to earn his spot back. Didn't do enough. Um, so is it time for Wampasaka to leave? I mean, he's not actually been here that long. But given how he played this season, you know, before and after the, the low takeover, he just sort of... His best attribute is obviously his one-on-one defending. And those, you know, Spider-Man slide tackles that he's <laughs> he's kind of known for. He's very good at doing that. But going forward, he just... There, there are certain points where... He miscontrolled the ball to a point where you think, like, are you are you okay? You know, um, and we long story short, we 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 need better than that going forward. You almost a few people are kind of jokingly mentioned this, but it's true. You almost want to combine the forward play of the low with one Basaka, like combine them into one person, so that you've got uh. That sort of thing going on. Um, the answer to that is Reese James. Really, I think he's one of the best right backs in the world. Um, but no, Wambasaka. I, I think it might be time to move on. Yeah, again, you got the wait and see aspect. Does Ten Hag like him? Is Ten Hag going to be able to improve him? Because I'll, I'll say this as well. There's some players in this team that very clearly need to leave. Maguire, Lindelof, Fred, McTominay, to name a few. Um... Uh, some of them are already gone, like Lingard needed to go, uh, Cavani kind of needed to go. But there isn't anything to like. What if Ten Hag comes in and when Basaka improves, Maguire improves, Lindelof improves, it improves, McTominay, Fred. I'm not saying them to become world class players, but what about if he's able to do something with them? That is a possibility. The the, the problem there is. Instead of taking more time and trying to redevelop these poor players, the, the players that are in poor form, and like spending time and the gamble of like, okay, how you know, do you need a month, two months to to improve these players, and are you going to be able to keep them? Are they are they going to be able to keep themselves consistently good? You almost want... The way I look at that, right, is... Okay, if you were to say to me, okay, Matt, do you want Ten Hag to spend time on... Like, Freddie McTominay or you know, Maguire Lindelof, Wambasaka to improve them? I almost don't. Because if you do the, in my opinion, better thing, which is get rid of those players and get in players that are already ready to play... You save you don't save money obviously from doing that, but you save a lot of time. Because what the the development time that I want Tenag to spend on this team is develop. We've got a lot of promising young players that I'm going to read out in a minute, and that's one of the things Ten Hag is best at. So instead of getting Ten Hag to spend time, because he's he's one man, you know. Obviously, there's other coaching staff, but he's the one that's good at developing young players. Um, instead of him spending time on trying to improve players like Maguire, Wambasaka, Lindelof, McTominay, Fred, I actually want him to go in there and like, okay, work with Diallo, work with Palestri, work with Alanga, you know, all these like players with actual promising talent, because there you've not got the poor form to fix, 
you've got young players who, okay, they've got some wobbles with them and, you know, things to develop and change. But you've got more development for improvement instead of development to fix the players. So, I'd actually just prefer, like, okay, no, just, just get rid of the bad players, get in better ones, and spend time focusing on developing those young, promising players instead of the players that are just badly out of form. Um... I would see that as a better way to manage that time and those resource, those development resources. So, yeah. Anyway, um, be a yeah, Wambasaka. Uh, next one is Eric Bailey. I've made my feelings on Eric Bailey very clear. I think he's our best defender. Um, some people would argue Varane, and I would counter that point not with a disagreement, but to say he needs to play in defence with Varane. And I believe I mentioned on the previous episode. If you take a look at all of our centre-backs, the ones that play first-team football, so Maguire, Lindelof, Jones, Bailey, and um, Varane, I think the only partnership we haven't seen is Bailey and Varane. Because I think we've seen Jones in some combination of those. We've seen Maguire play with pretty much everybody, apart from Jones, I think. Um, Jones is a bit of a different ball game anyway, but we've seen Maguire with... Varane and Bailey and Lindelof. We've seen Varane with Lindelof. We've seen Lindelof, I think, with Bailey a couple of times, but we've never played Bailey with Varane, at least to my memory. That would have, that would have only have been this season anyway. Of course, the others have been there a few seasons before. So why aren't we trying it? What, what has it been tried in training? Um, because clearly Maguire or Lindelof and someone isn't working. You know, I mean, sure, Lindelof works better with Varane, but Lindelof's still the weak point there, so just get rid of the weak point and put in a stronger point. Better player. So, um, I'm preparing myself for Bailey to leave this club, because I think it will happen. I'm just hoping that we just, if if we just keep the, <laughs> just keep the news quiet, just keep quiet about all of it, and just hopefully the time can pass and Bailey can stay. But because uh, I've been in a few conversations with people online and talked about Bailey, and the majority of people that have tried to debate my point on Bailey as to why he shouldn't be in the squad is because he's injury prone. The reason he's injury prone, it, obviously, he's got a few injury problems, but it's because he puts his body actually on the line. You know, he gets himself stuck in, which is what I want these players to do—not to get injured, but to get stuck in. But how many games? Because I obviously, obviously look at the bench and talk about who we bring on and who gets taken off and the subs, and I read out the bench to let you know who else was on the bench. And Bailey's always on there. Bailey was on there for probably the last ten to fifteen games of the season, so he's been fit and ready for like ten plus games. This guy is not as injury prone as somebody like a Phil Jones or a Jack Wilshere or somebody. He's been on the bench for the last 10 plus games. Why are we not even using him? Why are we not trying him out? But again, a wait and see thing. What is Ten Hag going to make of him? Uh, hopefully he um, includes him in the squad. So we'll see. Uh, Dean Ensign's the next one. He's been linked with a move away from the club. I've seen links um, mostly for Newcastle, which makes a certain amount of sense. Henderson can leave. I think he's he has been given a good amount of chance. Uh, there was a period last season with Ole when he was testing De Gea versus Henderson. 
Henderson very clearly came out on the worse side of that particular uh, challenge. And um, he's like 25 or something now, I think. So, And he's moaned before about not having first-team opportunities. He has not done well when he's had those first-team opportunities. So, look, Newcastle are in the process of rebuilding. Um, if Newcastle's the place he wants to go. Um, it's up north anyway, isn't it? So, uh, may, maybe just move to New... Maybe just move away, you know. Uh, I've heard some things about, you know, what he's like in the dressing room. And he's not, like, the greatest person and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, I can't personally attribute to that because I don't know Henderson as a person. Um, but I, I think it's just time for him to go. I think it's just time for him to go. Uh, c- kind of the same thing with Pogba, where it's been this sort of, like, willy won't he sort of thing. Um, Pogba's obviously moving on anyway. Um, so yeah, it's just time for Henderson to move on. Uh, Martial's the next one. He's coming back from loan for Sevilla. Uh, Sevilla are not going to be attempting to buy him. Um, and again, this is another thing where Martial was very out of form for one particular season. A few people have criticised him for being, like, having a bit of an attitude problem, being a little bit more lazy... Again, because uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily put Martial in the same category as a sort of Lingard or a McTominay or a Fred or a Lindelof or Maguire. I think there is something in Martial. Uh, it's not up front. It's not as a number nine. He, he is not... He, he'll get you some goals. His hold-up play is very good. He's clearly a very skillful player. But does he have... Is he going to have that want for the shirt? Because not only did he not, um, not only did he fall off a bit when you know Lukaku came in and the whole number nine shirt thing, then Cavani came in, the same thing happened. Um, and he sort of like he he didn't like that there was another striker there. Obviously, Cavani's going. Ronaldo's still here. It has to be as a winger. If he's going to be included in this team, it has to be... It. That, that, the winger position, left wing, will actually give him more opportunity to do things like hold the ball up and pass the ball off and be a bit more skillful. That will actually allow him to do that. I suppose the front three that you'd have to have then is Martial, Ronaldo and Sancho, but Sancho on the right. Um, again, can you have a scenario where him and Rashford are trying to fight each other for that left-hand side spot? And the the fear of sort of losing their place pushes them on to become better. Um, I don't know. Again, what can Ten Hag do with him? Um, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. He might just leave anyway, but we'll have to wait and see with uh, Martial. And uh, last player I've got on this little list, Andreas Pereira. Do you remember him? Yeah, still a Man United player. He's still a Man United player, unfortunately. Um, he's about 24 years old now. Uh, so he's come into that sort of middle point of his career. He went on loan to a team of the name I never learned. Uh, they attempted to buy him for £10 million. And then the deal fell through. Again, it's 1st of June now. Those contracts, those loan deals will all be in the next stage now. Either en- all, the- all those loan deals and those contracts would have ended by now. He's been very, very bad 
when he's played for Man United. Now there was a scenario a few seasons ago where I was rooting for him to get game time. Because I wanted to see what he could do and he wasn't being given the opportunity. Then he was given the opportunity and he didn't take it. And he showed why he shouldn't be given any more opportunities. Again, can Ten Hag get something out of him? With Pereira, I, I, I would I would genuinely say Martial's got more chance than Pereira. To have like the manager get something out of them. Um, but... Uh, it would almost be very. It would be very weird to see Pereira on a team day, um, like a match day selection sheet thing, team selection sheet thing. To see Pereira's name back in that, in in the starting eleven would be very strange. Very very strange. Although he's only been on loan for a year, so it's not like he's been gone that long. Um, but most of us, I think, have sort of forgotten about him a little bit. But Pereira's back. He's back in the main United squad. Um. He does have a very good shot on him. But you need a bit more than that. So I, I don't know what to do with Pereira. I think he's just got to go pretty much. Because I just, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't see a future with him. I don't. So anyway. Uh, Alright, let's move on from those players. Those are just like a list of players like Pereira coming back. Of like question marks. Like Bailey has been linked with a move away. Wambasaka has. Henderson has. Marshall has. And Pereira sort of has. So... I just thought I'd jot them down into one sort of little box. Or in one sort of little thing. Um, so, Ten Hag, very, very good at developing young players, as I mentioned. So, who are some of those young players? I don't think I've got all of them written down. Just the ones I, I specifically remembered. You've got Palestri, Iqbal, Savage, Alanga, Diallo, Fish, Fernandez, and Ganacho, and Ethan Laird. There are some like other players that um because you oh you've also got uh, Mengi as well you've got Twanzebi you've got uh what's that winger's name Chong he's still on loan um I think there's one more that I'm forgetting no Diallo's back from Rangers I can't remember where I can't remember where Palestri went on loan Iqbal obviously was like a academy player so was Savage obviously um. Uh oh god. Um is it Robbie Savage? His uh his son called Charlie Savage plays for us. He has signed a uh, first team contract by the way, Charlie Savage as well. And as I've jokingly said before, I just hope he's better than his dad. Because his dad wasn't very good. Uh Alanga we've obviously seen breakthrough to the first team. Diallo showed some promise, didn't he? Um in some of those matches that he played. And then we just sent him out on loan. Uh, William Fish, I don't remember much about him, can't comment too much on him. Uh, Fernandes, who's that left back, he's the other Portuguese one of course. Uh, so you got him coming through, and then Ganacho, who we saw briefly at the end of the season, and was a big contributor in the uh, FA Youth Teams, uh, the, the Youth Teams FA Cup win as well. Then Ethan Laird, who I've heard some good things about. Mengi had an appearance or two for Main United, he really impressed me in those appearances actually, so... We have got a lot of young, good, promising players. And we've got quite a few wingers as well. We've got like Palestri, we've got Alanga, we've got Diallo. Uh, Ganacho as well is supposed to be kind of a winger. Um, I don't think we know where Iqbal is supposed to be playing. I think Iqbal's just a central midfielder right now. Um, again, the likes of Palestri, 
Alanga, Diallo, can they push the likes of, maybe not Sancho, but like a Rashford or a Martial for those winger sort of positions to sort of do what I mentioned earlier, which is um, make players fear for their place in the team so that they play better. Um, but th- th- this is uh, this is actually the thing I'm kind of most, regardless of like who we sign, which we'll talk about it in a minute, like the actual first team players that we're going to sign because we do need some. Ten, one of Ten Hag's biggest strengths is developing young players, and we've already got a young, a lot of young, promising players. Uh, again, not all fully developed, but Ten Hag can do that over a period of time. Now, I'm not expecting you know next season all these to be starting. Some of them will be in the team, some of them won't be. Some of them might not make it. Some of them might make it as well. Alanga's like you know made it through to the first team. But what needs to ha- what I would like to see happen here. Is because, as I said, you got your first eleven. Your first eleven's got to be world class. Ours isn't, so we need to rebuild the first eleven. I want to see a lot of these players making appearances from the bench, because when you're slightly losing a game, or maybe winning a game, or you're drawing a game, when the game of football's really, really close, so it's one game you're losing by or winning by, or a game you're drawing. And you have to look at your bench and you have to think, okay, how are we going to, if you're winning by one goal, how are we going to, you know, who are we going to bring on to secure this win? Either whether that's shutting up shop or going all out attack and trying to get another goal. Or if you are losing, who are we going to bring on to, you know, maybe get some goals or to help the team? And if you're drawing, if you're in the middle of those scenarios, who are we going to bring on to not only help us defensively probably, but also to push on and get that win? And looking at our bench sometimes this season, we've had the likes of, you know, Mata, Jones, Lingard, Cavani. Players who are either on the way out the door or, you know, not good enough. And sometimes this season when it's been sort of, you know, Arash has been about a form or Langer isn't quite doing his thing or, you know, something else like that is happening. Um... We've looked at our bench and thought, like, what do we do? Do we bring on Lingard for Rashford? Do we take off Bruno for Mata? Do we bring on Pogba? Do we bring on, like, Mabry? Like, we've been very, like, limited with options. Obviously, Van der Beek's been on loan since January, but... uh, we, we, We need to be able to look at our bench and think, like... These three players can come on and make an impact. But there's usually not even been sort of one player that you'd look at. Maybe Mata on a few occasions has been that player. He's gone now anyway so he's not an option anymore anyway. Um, But I would love to see next season a scenario where we look at our bench and we think. Oh you can bring Palestri on or you can bring Diallo on or oh we need somebody else to run you know right back. You've got Ethan Laird or... You know, you need somebody quick and attack and you can bring Ganacho on. Um, or, you know, change something a bit in midfield and you bring Iqbal on. Or, you know, so something a little bit like that. And those players can come on and they can think, oh, you know, I'm a young player and being given a chance for Manchester United. I'm going to go out there and try and do something. And they maybe install the fear of losing their spot out to the other players. That That's the sort of... We need to. We, basically, what I'm saying is, we need a better bench next season as well. It's not just about filling up the first eleven. And I hope that um, 
with Ten Hag's ability, with that, with young players, and we have a lot of young, promising players, that that can start to hopefully happen next season. Because some of these players have already kind of dipped their toe a little bit in the first team. Alanga, most of all. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's the. If you were to ask me what I'm excited about next season, that's kind of what I'm excited about. But it depends how many times that happens. Um, and you got Mabry and stuff as well. So. Uh, it's again wait and see how that goes but that's that's the the positive thing I'm kind of looking at next season so there we go uh I've got this actually written in capital letters I don't need it written in capital letters but I've got it the midfield 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 as much as our defensive line has been bad this season and our defenders have been dropping dropping you know stinkers of games our midfield needs desperate, desperate surgery. Desperate. Our midfield last season was getting run through by everyone. Whether it's Atletico Madrid, Brighton, Middlesbrough, Aston Villa, West Ham, Man City, Liverpool, Watford. Not necessarily Leeds, maybe Leeds. Um, Crystal Palace. Our midfield gets run through by everybody. And it is a monumentally enormous problem. The the game of football is played in the midfield. The game gets won and lost in the midfield. And we lost 99% of our midfield battles last season. And we got ripped apart by certain teams. Absolutely ripped apart. Look what Brighton did to us. Look what Palace did to us. Look what Middlesbrough did to us. And I don't mean to pick on him, but McTominay played a lot of games last season. Fred did as well. Van der Beek didn't, because he wasn't there half the season. Matic played a chunk of games, but his leg was go legs were going. Same thing with Mata. We need a new midfield. Apart from the two players that I've already mentioned, which is Bruno Fernandez. And Donny van der Beek. We desperately need to fix this midfield. Because if we don't. And we don't sign a CDM. We're going to have the same problem next season. Because whether or not you thought. Pogba was better than Bruno. Or Bruno was better than Pogba. Or you preferred Mabry to Bruno. Or whatever you thought of the attacking midfield player. Because it was usually Bruno in the 10 wasn't it. Or you thought Matt was a better player than Bruno. Or you thought Pogba was a terrible player. That defensive midfield side of our game was probably the worst in the Premier League. It was probably the worst in the Premier League. Norwich ran through our midfield. Uh, who, who got relegated this season? Brighton ran through our midfield. Uh, it was who was it? it? Was Burnley? Is it Watford? Um, Norwich were at the bottom, weren't they? Then it was I think Watford and Burnley. All of those three, all those teams ran through our midfield. Watford beat us. Norwich nearly beat us last season. And when you're getting run through by, and uh, I think Middlesbrough in the Championship, Middlesbrough running through us. Our midfield is probably the worst in the Premier League. It's probably the worst in the Premier League. And although although Leeds play a bit different to everybody else, they play much more of a ruthless sort of like counter-attacking game, which is entertaining to watch, by the way. Um. They were right. We sort of ran through each other's midfields with with leads, but still, 
Uh, they, 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 everybody did it. Everybody did it last season. And it's one of the major, major, major problems. It has to get fixed. It has to. If we get to the end of the summer and we haven't signed a seat... Uh, uh, I would argue two defensive midfielders. If we're not signed two defensive midfielders, one at bare minimum, we're going to have the same problem. We're going to have the exact same problem. So yeah, major problem. Uh, so let's talk about midfielders for a minute. Uh, we've been linked with um, uh, Luke De Jong, who I've actually got in my FIFA career mode because it's FIFA and of course you can basically buy anybody. Uh, wants to stay at Barcelona. Um, there was some discussion going around that Barcelona are in financial trouble at the moment, even though they were able to buy several players last season, so it doesn't make much sense. Um, but he wants to stay at Barcelona, whether or not he leaves anyway and joins somebody else's to be seen. But uh, it looks like that there was a bunch of news yesterday that came out that uh, the deal will not be happening with Luke De Jong, so he's not joining. Um... There is a player called Timber who plays for Ajax. Now, what I don't want to do is, as much as we can rate Ajax's team, it would not be... We want to keep a good relationship with Ajax. You know, you've got Edwin van der Sar, the CEO over there, very good relationship with him. We've already taken their manager. Uh, we might take a few of their players, but we don't want to go raiding Ajax's team because... We want to keep a good relationship with them, and they're not rivals. We will probably never really play them again, unless it's in the unless it's in Europe, which won't be next season because they'll be in the Champions League and we'll be in the Europa League. So, um, Ajax are a friendly club to Manchester United. We don't want to like spoil the relationship there. As much as I would like like to take Brobby from their team and maybe Daily Blind and all these other players, and Anthony and Timber and all these all these other great players, uh, plus they probably wouldn't allow that many of their players to be sold. Uh, so apparently Timber can play as a centre back. What was it that I heard the other day? Centre back, right back, or CDM. So a bit of a John O'Shea type player. Which, the, the, this game of football misses those sorts of players. Like your Wes Browns or your Phil Nevilles or your John O'Shea's. Uh, Phil Jones used to sort of be able to do that, but still. He'd be a, he'd be a good signing. Um, the rumour is that he would be installed at right back. Fair enough. If that if he comes in and he works, then that, that's, good, that's good. But... Our priority signing right now should be a CDM. He can still fill that role, but if he's playing at right back, somebody else has to play at defensive midfielder. And whether he play a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, you still have to have a defensive midfielder. Whether it's one or two, uh, or you do like a double pivot, or you do a single holding midfielder, we really need one. So, uh, it's got to happen. But again, if Timber can do that, that's great. But if Timber's at right back... Who is at CDM? You know? So, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, then my uh, dream signing. Uh, there was, there's was there been few, some talk in the last couple of days about N'Golo Kante. Now, if you were to say to me, Hey, Matt, you've been banging on about centre defensive midfielders for the last 5-10 minutes. Who would you want? It would be N'Golo Kante. Um, he's 29-30-ish. So, he's getting to that older age but he's not 32 33 there is no reason <clears throat> no reason 
why we couldn't get at least two to three good years out of Kante. And it would be worth it. Even if it was a scenario where, okay, Kante's legs are starting to go a little bit, but not in the same way that Matic's are. Because obviously they play the same position. But that wouldn't start happening to Kante for, to, to the degree that it did with Matic for probably two to three years. <clears throat> so why couldn't you sign him and get those two to three years out of him? Because those would be two two to three very, very good years. So Kante would be my dream signing for that. I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, He's good at pretty much everything. And he would significant. I mean, th- th- let's not get it wrong. Most players right now would improve our midfield because we don't really have a midfield. <laughs> um, but Kante would do more than improve our midfield. He would make it into something interesting. And if you were to pitch to me next season, if I were to see Kante, obviously you'd have to build a bit of a partnership. Kante and Donny Van der Beek, I'll 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 have some of that. Yeah, I'll 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 have a bit of that. That that sounds good to me. Yeah, that sounds better than McTominay and Fred, because it isn't it isn't going to be Pogram, but Pogba. It isn't going to be Pogba and Matic. It isn't going to be Pogba or Fred. It isn't going to be Matic or McTominay. It isn't going to be Matic or Fred, because we don't have Matic or uh, um, Pogba anymore. We don't have those players anymore. Well, we're lo- we're losing Matic, but we don't have Pogba anymore. He's not he's not an option anymore. It's uh, our midfield. Our four midfield options right now are Bruno Fernandes, Donny Van der Beek, Fred, and McTominay. And I really doubt that Bruno's going to play in one of those two slots because Bruno plays further up the pitch. Donny, I want to play there, and the other two are not good enough. So, yeah, get 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 me Kante. Get me Kante. If it's only two years of goodness, I'll take that two years of goodness because I've just been through. Two and a bit years of pain with this team, with with some good memories, but two and a bit years of uh, of not very good stuff. Well, three years actually. So, I I I am I am very very sure that if you had a midfield of Van der Beek and Kante, that they would not do worse than McTominay and Fred. I'm pretty sure that that would happen. So, yes, uh, Kante, yes please. So that's my thoughts on Kante. Um. Those are the sort of ones that have been talked about today. There was a bit of talk um, earlier today about um, Ten Hag is watching Mason Mount's contract situation. I don't know what Mason Mount's obviously is the Chelsea player. Would I take Mason Mount at Manchester United? Yes, I absolutely would. Uh, I think he's a great player. I don't think he's necessarily world class or like phenomenal, but I think he's a very very good player that can be developed into an even better one. Um, I, I I rate Mason Mount. I think Kai Havertz is better, but I, I still really like Mason Mount. And again, would he be better than what we've got? Yes, because we haven't really got anything in midfield. So, again, a- a- any midfield option other than what we've currently got is automatically sort of better anyway. So, yes, I would take Mason Mount. And again, if you want to pitch to me like a half Chelsea midfield of Mount, Kante and Van Der Beek, I would absolutely take that. I'll, 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 I'll at least give that three years because... I've just given, you know, McTominay, uh, McTominay, Fred and Bruno three years. So why would I not give Mason Mount, Kante and Van Der Beek three years? Um, it, again, it will probably be better. 
So, anyway, there's not much in that now. I don't know what Mason Mount's contract actually is, if it's up this summer or if it's in a year's time. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, that's it for all the player stuff. Um, so we have some news. Uh, let me get to... I'll, I'll save the big one for last, the big bombshell that was dropped. I think it was yesterday. Andy O'Boyle, I think this guy's name is, has been uh, appointed as our deputy football director. I can't tell you if that's a good or a bad thing because I don't know much about this guy. And that's another one of our wait and see kind of things. Again, we've had like Steve McLaren appointed as uh, one of the coaches alongside somebody else. Uh, do, do I think these are going to be good combinations of people? Um, obviously, I know a bit more about Tin Hog, but in terms of the other people, uh, I don't know much about them. But they're different people to what we used to have. So, if you're going to at least give me something different to analyze and keep track of, I'll take that. So we'll we'll just we'll just have to see how that goes. We we don't we don't know how how any of this is going to kind of work out right now. But I heard people saying some relatively good things about him online. I don't know how trustworthy that is, but we'll just have to wait and see. But I don't know much about Andy. Um, I mean, he's got the name of a character from Toy Story, if that's anything. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, we'll, we'll just have to see. Let's see how that goes. But possibly the biggest, uh, the biggest news so far in the summer. So, Ralph Ragnick, who obviously was our uh, interim manager for the last, what, six or eight months or so. The plan was supposed to be that Ralph Ragnick goes upstairs and does a consultancy job, which is actually the job that he's supposed to specifically be good at, instead of actually like the coach and the manager. And then Ten Hag would come in as the manager, which has happened. Ralph Ragnick has left the role. He's not going to be a consultant. He, a few months ago, picked up the national team manager job for Austria. I'm not completely sure why. I don't know what his ties are to Austria, but that is what he's going to be doing. He has left Manchester United. He's not going to be the manager or the consultant next season. So that throws up a few red flags as to, okay, he was clearly going to play a very big role in, like, the information and the transfers and, you know, consultancy role, giving advice and things like that, which is what he's actually supposed to be very good at. So if you're taking him out, And you are putting, you know, Andy in there. Or in a similar role. Uh, Because there's like different... There's different names of roles that are sort of similar that get thrown around. Because like Deputy Football Director. I've heard a title called Director of Football before. Uh, They might not... They might not even be the exact... They sound very similar, don't they? Director of Football and then Deputy Football Director. But with Andy, I saw it listed as Deputy Football Director. Um, and obviously you've got like John Murtaugh, John Murtaugh, you've got Darren Fletcher still kind of doing whatever in the background. Um, I think John Murtaugh's the transfer negotiator, because obviously we don't have, um, because I think John Murtaugh was spo- is supposed to be replacing Ed Woodward. Uh, and long story short, Ed Woodward for Man United has been an absolute monumental disaster. Because um, he deals with like negotiations and stuff like that. So John Murtagh is supposed to be taking over that role. 
again, how will, how because all these people are going to be working with each other, right? Ralph, uh, not Ralph Reddit, uh, Tenarg, Andy, um, John Murta, Darren Fletcher, the Glazers are still here, unfortunately, um, Darren Fletcher, how are all these people going to be working together, and you've got like, Steve McLaren in there and everything, Again, we don't know how well they're all going to work together. Just because you were good at your job before, you know, you're working with new people, new club, new players. It's another wait and see, unfortunately. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to, well, wait and see how we'll have to wait and see how this all goes. So, anyway, <sighs> um, yeah, it's 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 uh it's difficult trying to be patient with this team right now. Because you've got things like Man City going on and winning titles. And we have to let them win titles so that Liverpool don't. Because we don't want Liverpool to win anything. You've got Liverpool almost winning the quadruple. It's it's a tough time to be a Man United fan right now. And then you've got like Arsenal and Tottenham finishing above us. West Ham almost finishing above us. It's like... We've got to be really careful next season because you've also got teams like Newcastle as well. Eddie Howe came in, manager of the season. He didn't win manager of the season. I'm saying he's my manager of the season just because of what he did with Newcastle. Newcastle are going to be looking to improve next season. Aston Villa are going to be looking to improve. Tottenham are going to be looking to improve. Arsenal are going to be looking to improve. Man City already added Erling Haaland, probably at the moment the best striker in the world alongside... Lewandowski and Benzema. Erling Haaland. Added to the Man City team. That is very dangerous. Um, Tottenham went and signed uh, Perisic today. They're making moves. Uh, Aston Villa. Went and signed. Um, Kamara. Player that we were supposed to get. But we didn't. He's gone to Aston Villa. we got to be careful. we we got to be really careful. And as much as some of you might think like, oh, it's only Newcastle, it's only Aston Villa. They ran through our midfields this season. They're they're improving their teams. So if they're already, obviously, you know, Villa and Newcastle finished below us. But if they already played well against us and ran through our midfield and all that kind of stuff. And they're looking to improve their team. You know, Villa have got Gerrard now. I don't know how good Gerrard actually is, but they've got Gerrard now. Newcastle have got Eddie Howe. He's clearly made an impact. They've got Kieran Trippier there. Uh, St. Maximin's still playing there. They're going to be looking to improve. Newcastle have got no money problems. Because they're really rich. Aston Villa just improved their midfield. And it's early days, you know. The season doesn't start until August. But it's better to get this stuff done early. You know. It's better to get this done early. So again... We'll have to wait and see, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and just see what happens over the next two months or so. But anyway, I've talked all your ears off for about an hour and ten minutes. Which is about how long I thought the episode was going to be, to be fair. Um, I'll do. I'll either do a transfer talk episode when we buy some players and sell some players. Um, or I'll just wait a little bit longer after that and do a season preview. Because what I could do with a season preview and a transfer talk episode is in the notes of the pre uh, preview episode for next season is talk about okay this player's here this player's not here how does that you know what what does that make our team look like for next season and how can Ten Hag work with this new player and that player's gone so 
you know, how's that all sort of looking and everything. Uh, plus, we'd have played a few preseason games then, so we'll have a smaller idea of how things may or may not be looking. So, we shall see. Anyway, uh, I need to uh, catch my breath, <laughs> put this episode out. Um, so, thank you very much for listening. And if you'd like to write in, let me know who you would like in May United's midfield. Uh, do you think Kante's a good idea? Um, what do you think of all the young players? Who do you think might leave? What do you think of all the people that have been put into the higher-up positions? Or Andy uh, O'Boyle. It's either O'Doyle or O'Boyle. I can't remember. Um, I wrote down O'Boyle, but I have, I have a feeling I've got that wrong and it's O'Doyle. But anyway, what do you think of him? Uh, what do you think of Ten Hag? What do you think of Ralph Ragnick leaving? Um, and everything else that I mentioned. You can write in to matthewentertainmenttalk.org, Twitter eTalkUK, there's a contact page and information in your show notes, so check out all of that. Um, you can also uh, use the email box, uh, sorry, yeah, matthewentertainmenttalk.org, Twitter eTalkUK, contact page information in your show notes. There's also the email box on the website version of the episode and the clickable email name in your show notes, so go and uh, use those options. In the meantime, you can find everything else that we do on entertainmenttalk.org for our TV, games, films, and main night podcast. Take a look out for all of that. So for all that stuff, um, yep, you can find us on entertainmenttalk.org, podcast platforms, entertainment talk, have a look at all the stuff that we're doing. So check out all of that. In the meantime, you can also support Entertainment Talk by uh, telling other people, uh, listening to more of our podcasts, telling other people. You can either do that by just telling them in using social media. So please do that as well if you'd like to, or if you're able to. Uh, Geek Town for your TV and your film news. Lots and lots of air dates going up right now. Lots of TV shows are about to either be new coming in or returning TV shows. So keep your eyes out for all of that. That's geektown.co.uk and Geek Town Radio. Uh, keep your eyes out for all of that. Uh, Bex is still streaming pretty much daily over on Twitch. Trista B-Y-T-E-S. Go give her a follow as well if you'd like to. Um, for all that. For all her streams. Some good stuff over there. You can find her as well on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow me as well on Twitch. You can do that by looking for eTalkUK over on Twitch. You can find my uh, streams over there. And if you've missed any of the episodes. Which includes the uh, excuse me, free FIFA career mode episodes other streams, game clips, there's a bunch of stuff over there, entertainment talk plays over on YouTube I uh, could check out all the content over there, thanks very much for listening, and uh, for the United cast, I'll see you pretty much next season, for the preview and that um, lots of stuff that we're doing though in the meantime, keep your eyes out, entertainment talk, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time goodbye